Welcome to the Haringey Education Partnership Brief. It's Monday, the 21st of November. I'm Luke. And I'm Maya, and we're here to bring you up to date with what's happening in education. Here's what you need to know this week. It won't have passed anyone by that on Thursday, Jeremy Hunt, the current chancellor, delivered the autumn statement. In his statement, he made sure to thank the sector for its brilliant work and also announced an extra £2.3 billion a year for schools in the next two years. While the Treasury claims this equates to an average of £1,000 more for every pupil by 2025 and restores real-term funding to 2010 levels, will it solve schools' current funding woes? Stephen Morales, CEO of the Institute of School Business Leadership, warns the £2.3 billion per year figure announced is a little misleading. He states, it's actually £2 billion because of the changes to the health and social care levy money, but acknowledges that this will go some way to alleviating the pressure caused by unfunded pay increases. However, it's clear schools will still have to weather the storm for the next few months, with questions over energy support packages next year. Sam Friedman, a former government advisor, said, Until we know what's happening with energy prices, inflation, and pay next year, we can't be clear exactly how generous this is. In other news, Baroness Barron, the recently reappointed Academies Minister, has accepted the need for greater transparency in decision-making over academization and transfers of schools into new trusts. Speaking at the Schools and Academies show in Birmingham last week, she also pledged to simplify regulatory burdens on trusts and highlighted the importance of trusts having geographical coherence. The Department for Education has set up a strategic tutoring advisory group to make sure the national tutoring program succeeds and embeds tutoring into the sector. Nick Brook, the Deputy General Secretary of the School Leaders Union, NAHT, will chair this group and told Schools Week, while the national tutoring program's ambition was sound, the implementation had been problematic and at times downright poor. He stated, Tutoring is no silver bullet, but done right, it could help significantly more disadvantaged young people to succeed. The Chartered College has launched membership for teaching assistants and other support staff. This new associate membership is a clear recognition of the important role of TAs while providing a community of professional support. This membership will cost £1.25 a month. This week's Deep Dive, Leadership 55, Episode 2, with Becky Allen. Here's a riddle. What keeps you up to date with what's happening in education, from the practical to the thought-provoking? Well, yes, here at The Brief, we do do that, but what else does the same? Leadership 55, hosted by HEP. The program is 55 minutes long and includes updates from James Page about the DFE, Fran Hargrove about Ofsted, John Tomset about professional learning, and roundups by Heather De Silva. Last week, on Wednesday the 16th, we were lucky enough to have Professor Rebecca Allen join us for Episode 2 of Leadership 55 to talk about attainment. Becky explored a lot of interesting concepts and questions, including how can we reconcile talking about attainment in a manner that is faithful to diversity in subject knowledge architecture, yet accommodates parent-governor needs for clear interpretation? 
Why is it inevitable that we experience conflict between subject knowledge architecture and the needs of an attainment monitoring and reporting system? And why we need a more flexible framework for thinking about how we reconcile measuring attainment in a manner that is faithful to the subject with reporting attainment in a manner that is meaningful to parents, heads and governors. We're here, it's 2022 and we're in England. So I'm going to make an educated guess that one of your school improvement priorities is something to do with curriculum. And I wonder whether you've reached the part where you feel some discomfort with your assessment system as a consequence of your curriculum thinking. We have variation in curriculum and knowledge architecture across the subjects that we teach in schools, and these require radically different assessment approaches. Educators often talk about classroom instruction as being based around this three-legged stool of curriculum, assessment and pedagogy. And the thing about three-legged stools is that they are exceptionally stable provided each leg is crafted to sit nicely alongside each of the others. So what does curriculum and knowledge architecture tell us about what our assessment leg needs to look like? Well, it tells us a great deal. It tells us the extent to which we're able to say something about a student's understanding in the abstract or only ever within a particular context. We need to know about curriculum agreement in the subject, the extent to which we can just go out and purchase those standardized assessments. We can only do that if we have high curriculum agreement and consistency within the subject. If you're in a school where teachers are actively changing their curriculum at the moment as a consequence of deep thinking, then you risk creating a wobbly stool because the assessments need to start adapting and changing in response to the development of thinking around curriculum. So in a way, if your teachers are arguing with you about your assessment system, you are at least getting something right, which is that they are developing the language to be able to have those arguments. Teachers in our school who want to do one thing over assessment, and then we've got this reporting system that needs some data. I think we do one of three different things, and I think all of them are slightly less than ideal. The first approach is that the senior leadership team says, well, you do what you want over formative assessment, but we have a say over summative assessment. So my radical perspective is, you know, we can't use this as the solution to fix the dissonance that exists in schools. We need to stop using these words formative and summative because they're meaningless distinctions and because they create false ideas that big tests have no role in the teaching and learning process, which is false. Because the goal of all assessments within schools should be to serve the wider purpose of improving learning in a school. And they all just go about that goal in slightly different ways. And when we think about how is an assessment that we're thinking about doing serving that wider goal of improving learning, well, we should just think merely about everybody who's involved in thinking about it, from the student through to the class teacher, through to the senior leadership team, the parents, the governors, and think about the entire life cycle of that assessment. This week at HEP. This afternoon, we will be joined by Tom Sherrington to deliver an introduction to walkthrough session aimed specifically at secondary school leaders. This session kicks off at 2 p.m. and is completely free to all HEP members. 
At 4 p.m. today, Haringey Creates will be hosting their annual Cultural Education Summit at Bernie Grant Arts Center in Tottenham. All about improving access to creativity across your school curriculum, there will be plenty of takeaways to put into action in your classroom straight away. On Tuesday, Kelly Ashley will join us online for Word Power in KS1. This session will start at 9.30 a.m. and explore the challenges and considerations for addressing the word gap. On Wednesday, Peter Warwick will be back with us to host the first of two maths leadership sessions. All sessions are available to book on the HEP Booking Hub. This week, we've been watching the latest Leadership 55 with Becky Allen, John Tomset, James Page, Fran Hargrove, and Heather De Silva. We gave you a little taste in our deep dive, but if you want to watch the entire episode, subscribe on HEP Booking Hub to receive the recordings. This week, we've been listening to Questioning in the Classroom on the Evidence-Based Education Podcast. Following up on the Leadership Conference, Kate Jones unpacks Questioning in the Classroom and even covers the Welsh for pancake at the end, while making a very astute point, of course. This week, we've been reading Multiple Choice Questions, Pros and Cons by Kate Jones from Evidence-Based Education. One Kate Jones resource just wasn't enough this week. This short read is basically a neatly organized list of the strengths and weaknesses of multiple choice questions. MCQs are flexible and useful for retrieval practice, but they must be designed correctly and enough time must be given for their completion. They are also, obviously, not a comprehensive learning tool and must be combined with other techniques to be effective. Read this blog and use them wisely. And that's it for our Monday, 21st of November, HET Brief. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share on social media, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This brief has been written and produced by Luke Kemper and Maya Cardwell. Music by Shane Ivers. We'll see you next week.